Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Well, hey there, it's Nico. By now, you probably know who I am, but awkwardly, I know a whole lot less about you. So many of you tell me that you're listening to the show and I really want to know you more. Who are you? Why are you tuning in? What do you want most from Suncast? Let us know by going to mysuncast.com forward slash survey. It takes just five minutes and we'll read every answer. That's mysuncast.com forward slash survey. All right, here's the show. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey there, Solar Warrior. Welcome back to another Tactical Tuesday. This is a short form conversation with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips and advice to build your clean energy business and career. I'll try to keep this under 25 minutes so that you can enjoy it on your commute or your jog or wherever you can squeeze it in. Today's guest, Merrick Kubik, has been on the show before. Perhaps you caught him on episode 251, or maybe you heard him as a panelist in the Suncast Virtual Summit. Wherever you have met Merrick, no doubt you have been impressed by this young leader of the Fluence team. He is Fluence's UK and Ireland team lead responsible for overseeing origination, development, and commercial negotiation of energy storage and techno sales. Today, we have a really, really interesting conversation to dive down the rabbit hole on what is different about storage and how Fluence shows up in the market. Fluence's new sixth generation technology stack has made a splash in the market recently. It's arguably Fluence's answer to Tesla's mega pack and their recent bevy of orders to the tune of 800 megawatts and 2300 megawatt hours are already sitting in queue. They did all of this in stealth mode, but we're going to bring it to light now as they recently announced this portfolio. So stay tuned and check out this episode with Mark Kubek. You can find more Tactical Tuesdays like this at mysuncast.com. And if you really like these kinds of insights, then I encourage you to check out the hundreds of other founder stories and startup advice on mysuncast.com. And of course, stay tuned every Thursday as we have long form episodes that you can queue up as well. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and the newsletter so you don't miss out when the next one drops. For now, let's get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune into another Tactical Tuesday here on Suncast. Well, today we are going to jump into this conversation around the 2300 megawatt hour battery stack, 800 megawatts of product that Fluence is delivering in real time to clients. This is not a, a pre release of what Fluence is going to do. And to talk about that, we've got my friend and yours, Merrick Kubek, back on the show. Merrick, welcome to Suncast. Thanks, Nico. Great to be back with you. Looking forward to the talk. Man, it has been a flurry. I feel like watching the Fluence blog page and media page is like watching Fluence's Twitter feed. You guys are announcing something every day. <laughs> yeah, the stuff's moving in, in pretty fast real time, I think, at the moment. There's a lot of exciting announcements come in the last few days or weeks 
Yeah, it's been amazing. Uh, one of the things that I'll hark back to that was around the time we actually had you on the summit, but I had somehow missed it. Our friend Stephen Coughlin, the founding CEO of Fluence, has stepped down, swapping places with another board director, Manuel Dubuc, the previous head of LATAM for AES, to lead Fluence in what I'm calling Fluence 2.0. You might call it 3.0 or 4.0. I know you guys are in the sixth generation here, but uh, let's distill it down. I think what we're seeing here is that Fluence is at an inflection point that every company hopes to get to, right? You've spent three, four, five years building out not only a world-class team, but a pipeline and a product that is finally getting put into the world, building real projects. You follow that on the same day that you make the announcement we're talking about here today, that you've got you know someone with 20 plus years of Fortune 500 experience with companies like Schneider, GE, and Northrop Grumman, and Rebecca Ball joining as chief product officer. It seems to me that Fluence is painting the picture that you are beginning to productize. You're beginning to hit in that next gear, maybe even high gear, and produce scale for the first time in the storage industry. Does that seem accurate? Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair way of uh, of describing the situation. Like, there's a lot of companies that get through this really fast, sort of high paced growth phase, and we had a, a sort of very long fuse on this in the days before Fluence, because we have to remember Fluence was really only founded first of January 2018. Before that, it was through Siemens and AES as uh, shareholders that all that knowledge and experience of, of projects was developed. And then in those two, two and a half years, we've grown very rapidly. But it's getting to this point is, you could say, the hard work starts. There's there's a chasm that needs to be crossed. And we've seen it in wind and solar and other uh, industries where there are a lot of early, early players. And then there's a lot of um, dropouts, consolidations, and very few cross this chasm. And it re- really requires a big step up to another gear um, in terms of resourcing, in terms of capability, and in terms of being able to manage more and more business quicker and quicker. And that's really, I think, what the, the announcement around the 6th gen platform and around how you get that productization without losing the ability to customize and make you know, the technology specific, not one size fits all to, uh, you know, to everyone. Yeah, I'm glad you couched it that way. I want to read a quote Bearing in mind that reading print media doesn't always come across in audio the same way, but I was hoping that you could help me distill or maybe disintermediate some of the jargon to adequately sort of stage the conversation we're having today. Fluent CTO Brett Galura was quoted in Clean Technica saying, until now, customers were forced to choose between custom-built solutions or inflexible, vertically integrated products. This sixth generation combines our proprietary data set and our deep industry experience to deliver unparalleled intelligence and flexibility while adding the benefits of mass production to standardize safety features and significantly reduce the time and cost needed to deploy storage while adding the benefits of mass production to standardize safety features and significantly reduce the time and cost needed to deploy energy storage. Merrick, help me understand in your words as one of the team members that was responsible for putting together the announcement, What has been announced by Fluence and what is Brett essentially saying here about the nature of where Fluence is headed? 
I think a good way of, of putting this is to, to sort of set a, a marker in the ground of how most energy storage systems are built today. And a lot of them either take a very customized form. So you, you, know, you build a building for a specific application, you size it, and you're sort of doing all of that work in the field as a one-off, as a custom basis. And it, it, that can work, and it can work in certain cases at certain scales. Or you're going down a sort of containerized route where you're putting um, the energy storage system in a shipping container. But that's pretty inflexible because... Fundamentally, battery modules are not really designed for shipping containers. They're designed for electric vehicles predominantly, so they don't necessarily fit well into that sort of footprint. And you're therefore somewhat suboptimal or constrained in what kind of size, duration, specification of system you build. So if you do build a product and a vertically integrated product, you really have to standardize around you know, a specific form factor or duration. It becomes a bit of a one-size-fits-all, which in reality becomes a one-size-fits-none. You, uh, If you design a solution for, uh, you know, a two-hour duration or a one-hour duration, but the customer needs one and a half, you have to go back to custom engineering again. Um, so you either have this standardization, which hits very few buckets, or you have customization, which isn't repeatable. So if you want to get energy storage to the next level and growing to the the 1000 gigawatt hours that Bloomberg say we need by 2040 you have to find a way to square that circle and do both and and that's really what Brett's quote is is getting at it's coming up with something that is the best of both worlds um, a good way of putting it might be mass customization so that is having a standard unit in the case what we've launched is called the cube and the cube is a standard form factor that has you know, batteries, the fire suppression, the cooling, all included, all done in a factory setting. And then that's brought to site, fully ready, sort of, you know, commission quality checked offsite, and then just plonked together and put together like Lego blocks. So that lets you build any type of system you want, whether it's a CNI project, or you might use two or three cubes at an industrial customer site, or whether it's a giga battery and you have you know, hundreds of these cubes, thousands of these cubes stacked and arranged in, in whatever way meets the specific needs of the specific customer. So I understand that your cube is a factory assembled product. I've heard that it's five times more modular than traditional systems. Can you give me a sense of the scale of a cube and what makes it fundamentally this sort of 5x more modular as you claim? To put it in perspective, the size, depending whether you prefer feet or, or meters, it's about uh, nine feet by nine by nine. So nine by nine by nine. I think two and a half meters by two and a half meters by two and a half meters. So it's it's big. Like it's bigger than a human if you stand in front of them. If you look at the, the renderings, there's some good drawings and visualizations on the Fluence uh, website, and they, they might look quite small from that standpoint. So, so they're big. But compared to a you know a standard ISO shipping container that might be 40 or 45 feet, that's one long section of uh, what would be a meters, 14 or 15 meters. So you can already see how the cube cuts that into smaller chunks. And the, the beauty of that is you're not then constrained by the dimensions of a shipping container. And it means you can arrange the cubes back to back in a you know sort of grid arrangement where the physical footprint might be larger than one individual shipping container, but overall the site footprint comes down something like 30% because you, you're you using the space far more effectively. Like The battery modules that are sat inside the cube fill it more appropriately because, again, we're, we're designing a solution that works around the supply chain for, for batteries and that can integrate the best in-class technology that, that is available into the cube. 
so the reason everyone used a container before is because it effectively is a NEMA 4X, or not 4X, but it's a NEMA enclosure, right? It, it protects the batteries from wind, you air condition it, they come in somewhat standard sizes, 20 feet, 40 feet. So this is a lot smaller. Is this cube itself weather resistant? Like you plop this thing down just out in the, in the outdoors? Yeah, exactly. It's NEMA rated, same concept. It's just a, a smaller form factor. But the main reason people are using shipping containers are because they're cheap to, to ship. But the beauty of the way that the, the cube is designed is you can, you can ship it in an ISO container and then assemble it on site however however you want. So it gives a lot more flexibility to how you design the system. And then as it comes to things like performance, redundancy, and safety, each cube in itself has its own fire suppression, UL 9540A rating, so that basically any kind of thermal event would not spread from one uh, rack to another, from one cube to another. So both from a safety standpoint, you're sort of isolating a smaller block if it has a problem more levels of redundancy. And then also from a performance standpoint, because each uh, cube is individually being cooled as opposed to one um, you know, HVAC system for the whole container as it is for a traditional storage system. So that means you're a lot more precise and controlled in terms of the cooling, which helps preserve the life, which is where some of the other stuff that comes in the technology stack comes into play, where you have the, the uh, Fluence operating system level and Fluence IQ level. It's taking the data around performance of, of the hardware and making sure that it's it's you know running as optimally as it can so that um, battery degradation is managed safety is managed and you know all the other things that are also important when it comes to designing these systems now for those who've geeked out and lo- know everything about uh, uh, fluence the, the or, or have listened to some of your previous episodes I'll recognize that fluence IQ is the machine learning system that manages battery degradation reduces operating costs optimizes energy dispatch, et cetera, sort of operating in the background. It's the software layer that sort of optimizes the fluent storage. One of the things that caught my eye is, uh, you know, you're, you guys have a world-class team who think about productization, who think about serving various uh, stakeholders in the marketplace. What I've seen in the storage industry is that folks tend to only focus on kind of one of three verticals, CNI, that sort of ground mount solar medium to small utility scale, like think of the one to 20 megawatt, what the utility system calls DG, what we, what we call small utility. And then the utility scale, which is really, really large format products. In reverse order, you guys sort of call that grid stack for large utility, sun stack for, I would call it small utility, typically outdoor ground mount, and then edge stack. This is all in the solar plus storage category. Although there are lots of applications that you all are deploying that have nothing to do with solar whatsoever. Can you help me understand how productizing these into grid stack, sun stack, and edge stack adds to or contributes to this idea of system scaling that seems to be this this, uh, Fluence 2.0 party line that is being adopted into many of the communications I'm seeing from you guys? The way that that works, essentially, as I've described, these three layers of the stack, the cube, the OS, and the IQ, those are consistent across however you develop the specific solution in mind, the three that you mentioned. So whether you're doing grid stack, which is the utility scale storage, or uh, sun stack, the DC coupled, co-located with with solar, or completely standalone behind the meter storage for, for large energy users, they all are based on the cube. 
the cube building block is the same, but you might select a different battery, uh, you know, chemistry, a battery uh, C rating. So the, the duration of the battery. So these systems, it's the same cube, whether you're using it for a one hour system or an eight hour system, you just configure it in a different way. So you can see that the, the building block is completely standardized. You can churn out hundreds and thousands of these and then use them in a way that is pre-configured so that whether you're a, you know, 500 megawatt virtual transmission line, you know, utility building, uh, you know, battery to replace wires or your small energy user in, in Canada trying to avoid a global adjustment charge, it's the same cube that you would use. You would just be configuring it a different way from a hardware perspective. And then with those um, software and digital intelligence layers on top from a application and control perspective. So you would, for instance, select the, you know, demand charge reduction, you know, application that has, you know, been pre, pre-customized and pre-built for projects that are already in Canada that already meet that specific, you know, use case. So it's just really, you know, a menu of options and selecting the right ones that are specific to what the buyer needs, um, because whether they're a network company, a generator um, looking to make money, a large energy user looking to save money, they all have very different needs and, and requirements. But the same fundamental stack meets all of them. It's just by the way you put it together. You mentioned whether they choose a different battery chemistry. I get that Fluence as a company isn't a battery company per se. Help me understand how someone as a developer might go about thinking about battery chemistry and and who is that decision left to? Because I wouldn't have jumped, I wouldn't have leapt to the conclusion, I buy a cube, but I can modify the chemistry inside. To be clear on that, it's usually Fluence that would be the ones advising and designing a system to the articulated customer's needs. But for instance, NMC chemistry, nickel manganese cobalt, which is very commonly uh, used in in energy storage, uh, is one of the big groups. And then you also have lithium ion phosphate LFP batteries. They each have their own strengths and weaknesses in terms of, depending on how they're used, one may be a better choice than the other from a performance standpoint. So for instance, if you're doing a frequency regulation type of application, staying in a middle state of charge, compared to deep cycling running zero to full, which you might be doing if you're doing you know, big energy shifting applications, you might recommend a different choice. And so that, that's what Fluence does. We, we design the system to what the customer's desired use case is, but we have the ability to switch between vendors and suppliers we work with you know 80% of the global lithium ion supply market in terms of the you know the supply chain that we have access to and that is qualified to be used in in the technology stack so we can pick between them which is the best for a specific use case you know every commercial solar opportunity counts so why lose that sale to high demand charges Did you know that you can offer up to 30% in demand charge savings at a tenth of the cost of installing a battery? With DemandX, the innovative new demand charge reduction software from Extensible Energy, your client can boost ROI and reduce payback time without all the expense. And as a Suncast listener, you can get a free demand charge analysis by going to extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast. And while you're there, check out three recent case studies on how this easy-to-install software is a win-win for you and your commercial solar clients. DemandX works for office buildings, retail, churches, and more. See for yourself at extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast. Over the last decade, Fluence, as a clear leader in storage, has made claims of you know helping lower energy storage by as much as 90%. And I think that a lot of that is on the integration and chemistry technology side. But it seems to me like this this new generation of deployments 
is also focusing on driving down the non-battery costs of energy storage systems. Would you say that's accurate? And how do you view this concept of uh, battery costs and non-battery costs as it relates to scaling the industry of storage? Yeah, that's, that's a really great question, Nico. And it becomes a timely question. Again, this is maybe why we're a bit of an inflection point in in the industry as a whole. Um, and it follows exactly the way that solar, I think, developed uh, just with this this time lag. Uh, you know, solar did the same thing where the panel was the most expensive part of your your system for a long time, but because it came down in costs so much, suddenly it became as a percentage of the total system cost not you know the most significant driver anymore it's it, it is still a significant driver and it's the same with the batteries uh, you know battery costs have fallen 90 percent, and that's a large part of the the driver over the last 10 years of of why energy storage systems costs come down and still at longer duration systems it's a very you know sizable piece of of the overall capex of the system but now it's getting to a point where actually it makes sense to pay attention to everything else as well because it really moves the needle. And one of the things that that moving from our, our fifth generation to now sixth generation design in this technology stack was really focusing on how do you drive down the rest of the system costs. And that you know essentially that's by standardization and scale. So if you can use the same building block, whether you're doing small projects or large, and you're just churning out many, many hundreds and thousands of them, that really lets you make sure that you're you're you know minimizing your re-engineering costs and you're getting economies of scale into the production of a single form factor and that is is what's driving down the cost of the sort of balance of system by 25%. Well, it's clear that it's resonating in the marketplace. As I mentioned on June 16th, you all made an announcement about this 2300 megawatt hours of orders, which congratulations that alone is a a mega announcement. <laughs> And uh, pardon the pun. And it's not as though these orders are coming from uh, small regional players. The likes of Enel, LS Power, and S Power have signed on, obviously, and Siemens, uh, one of your market partners, is also in that order uh, basket. Help me understand the nature of these contracts. When are they expected to deploy? What are the different applications, if you can speak to them, that we're talking about these, uh, these cubes being deployed into? I'm not specifically familiar with with each of the each of the projects and how they're they're being deployed, but what I can talk about is the um, you know the general applications that we're seeing at size and scale, and they fall into a into a few um, buckets globally. Amongst some of the largest types of projects that we're seeing, the the obvious kind of applications are still the you know large scale, long duration peaking alternatives in in California. We're seeing large scale solar and storage type projects being deployed. And we're also starting to see this this virtual X business emerge where, you know, instead of um, poles and wires and building transmission lines, virtual transmission, or instead of building a real pumped hydro system, you're building a virtual virtual dam uh, using batteries. So a lot of those are driving some of the larger scale, longer duration sort of applications. But we're also seeing you know, conversely to that. So it's not all just about the large projects, although the, those are interesting. It's also the fleets of smaller projects that cumulatively form large volumes. And very recently, in the last couple of days, that there was yet another announcement on our, uh, our blog. As I said, it's been busy time at the moment from our COO, um, who put a, a bit of a, a message filled of in, with intrigue, um, but around a 500 megawatt fleet that Fluence has been contracted to deliver for a customer in Southeast Asia. And I mean, that really speaks to it. There's two extremes, those big projects, and then there's being a trusted partner to, to basically transform the, the, you know, the power network of a, of, a, of a whole country. I loved what he said in that blog post, actually, as I was reading over it a little earlier today. 
He said, out deploying developed nations. And it's so true. I think about wireless telecommunications, right? The places where wireless telecommunications innovation occurred were Africa, India, Latin America, because they skipped the poles and wires. And with the business model that you all have provided, which is uh, which you just mentioned, um, and I would say you provided it because you guys are really leading the charge in in this virtual X concept with utilizing storage as a virtual transmission methodology. Uh, and given the extreme challenges in underdeveloped countries with grid regulation generally, voltage right through, voltage sorry, frequency regulation, et cetera, it is a fascinating time to see how places in Southeast Asia, places I'm sure in Latin America with Manuel now at the helm uh, are going to start implementing. I mean, Brazil comes to mind immediately for me as an application for what it looks like you guys are doing uh, with this 500 megawatts in Southeast Asia as well. This is a really exciting time. So what's on the horizon? What should we be looking out for? What are you guys working on? And, and what's the, when's the next announcement coming out? Because we'd love to have you back on. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd have to uh, to speak to our uh, marketing team about when they plan to release the next bit bit of big news. But there's been plenty coming, and uh, you know there'll be there'll be plenty more. The biggest stuff that we're very excited to share is is exactly that kind of step change as you described it. I, I, th- those are the things that invigorate me the most because it's it's really quite something to see a country basically leapfrog places like Spain or Germany that you would you'd expect have very strong drivers for storage, and they do. But it you know the openings have been much more slower. Uh, and stuttered, but you know, if you have a, a, a visionary customer, essentially, I mean, we're just a partner in in these projects. We deliver the technology, but ultimately, it's it's someone else that has that vision of of you know actually transforming their you know their specific grid or, or, or use case. So it's one example of that, but we we expect to see more of that nature as you know one as the you know, cost of storage fall, and two as the um, you know the message is, is put out there by uh, you know people like you about what is possible and um, accelerates that change in new markets. Well, there you have it, Solar Warriors, climate champions. Right now, the grid edge and the grid itself is changing in ways that uh, we can't even predict. Companies like Fluence are leading that charge giving companies like Tesla and their mega pack a run for their money with the technology stack that is making this industry scalable at long last. We've been joined by Merrick Kubik, head of origination for Fluence for the UK and Ireland. And now you are more informed about how this 800 megawatt, 2300 megawatt hour battery storage project, a sixth generation technology for Fluence, is being rolled out to industry players like LS Power, NL, and S Power. So grateful for Merrick to join us once again. Our, our Suncast tribe really loves you, Merrick, so we'll always have a place for you at the table at Suncast. <laughs> Thanks, Nico. Appreciate it. That's a wrap on this conversation, Warrior, but I do hope that we'll see you back here on Thursday for this week's long-form interview. I also encourage you to check out other episodes of Suncast and let me know what you think of these shorter form discussions. Do you want more like this? We've got hundreds of episodes, resources, and highlights from these discussions, along with the social media links for each episode guest, book recommendations, and so much more over at mysuncast.com. And that's also where you'll find other ways to engage with our Suncast tribe, like subscribing to our weekly tribe exclusive emails or even joining our exclusive inner circle of infinite learners and clean economy champions we affectionately refer to as the Guild. If you're on Spotify or iTunes, I do so appreciate your rating and review so that others can also find Suncast more easily. 
And a special thank you to our sponsors who helped make this podcast possible. You can learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor, as well as learn more about becoming a sponsor if that's something that you're interested in. You can follow the links there as well to any of the offers that we've discussed about any of our sponsors here today. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.